This is Optimal Living Daily, episode 1760, an excerpt from the book, Time Rich, Do Your Best Work, Live Your Best Life, by Steve Klaveski, and I'm Justin Mollick, your personal narrator, reading to you every day, including holidays, usually from blogs, sometimes from books, like today, tell you about the author right after the reading, so for now, let's get right to it as we optimize your life. An excerpt from the book, Time Rich, Do Your Best Work, Live Your Best Life, by Steve Klaveski. Why are you always working so late? I asked a colleague from a big four firm. They told me they usually work until 10 p.m. and sometimes even into the morning hours. The response was a predictable one. I can't leave until my boss does. Are you actually getting much done in the evening? I asked. Not really. This plays out all too often at large professional services firms and profit-seeking enterprises in general where hours worked is wrongfully conflated with productivity. And I get it. Hours are far easier to categorize and make sense of than output, which is a lot more arbitrary in a heuristic working world. The reality is that after you've worked a certain number of hours, the connection between effort and reward is no longer linear. The diminishing law of returns takes hold. What we should be managing instead of time is attention. Attention is becoming increasingly hijacked in a world of attention merchants luring us away with real-time notifications. You've probably found yourself deeply immersed in an activity when the rest of the world ceased to be. You checked the time and you were surprised to see that hours had gone by. You were in what psychologists call the flow state. First coined by Hungarian-American psychologist Mihai Csikszentmihalyi in 1975, you might also know flow as the zone or deep work but it's more than that. At its core, flow is living rather than merely existing. Picture a lone surfer paddling furiously as they match the speed of an incoming two-meter wave, pop up onto their feet, and ride the ensuing barrel. At that moment, a surfer isn't thinking about the bills they need to pay or the arguments they may have had with their partner earlier that day. If they are, then they're unlikely to catch the wave. When a surfer catches a wave, they're in total flow deeply immersed in the act of surfing. And in their mind, the rest of the world simply ceases to exist. The flow state extends beyond just the athletic domains. It extends to our work. It's critical to heuristic work such as writing, performing music, computer programming, or even preparing a legal argument. In fact, providing we are truly immersed in the activity, we can find flow in all sorts of places. For example, cooking, yoga, painting, taking photos, gardening, reviewing contracts, and writing. A 10-year McKinsey study on the flow state found that top executives are up to 500% more productive when they're in a state of flow. A complementary study by scientists at Advanced Brain Monitoring also found that being in flow cut half the time it took to train novice marksmen up to an expert level. But here's the thing. Most reports suggest that we can only spend about four hours in flow per day and that the return on our time and energy begins to taper off fast after that. This is what's called the point of diminishing returns. G.H. Hardy, one of Britain's leading mathematicians of the first half of the 20th century, started his day with breakfast, checking the cricket scores, and then settling in for a long day in the office. A long four-hour day, that is. From 9 a.m. to 1 p.m., he would be immersed in mathematics. The rest of the day, he busied himself with leisure activities, like games of tennis and long walks in nature. He told fellow Oxford professor C.P. Snow that 
four hours creative work a day is about the limit for a mathematician. Charles Darwin, too, only worked about five hours a day, and that included a break for lunch. It didn't stop him from coming up with his groundbreaking theory of evolution. A survey into the working lives of scientists carried out in the early 1950s arrived at the same conclusion. The data showed an M-shaped curve that rose steeply at first and peaked at 10 to 20 hours per week. Scientists working 35 hours a week were half as productive as their 20-hour-a-week colleagues. Not only does working long hours not make you more productive, but the lack of rest can harm the subsequent hours you spend in the office. This makes you less productive in the long run. To further this point, the 60-plus hours-a-week researchers were the least productive of all. Carl Anders Ericsson observed the same pattern in a study of violin students at a conservatory in Berlin in the 1980s. According to Ericsson, quote, Deliberate practice is an effortful activity that can be sustained only for a limited time each day, end quote. Practice too much, and you increase the odds of being struck down by injury or burning yourself out. Students marked for greatness, they observed, had several short practice sessions each day, each lasting about 80 to 90 minutes with half-hour breaks in between. The actual practice time added up to about four hours a day. This upper limit, Erickson concluded, is defined, quote, not by available time, but by available mental and physical resources for effortful practice, end quote. After interviewing the students, it became clear that, quote, it was primarily their ability to sustain the concentration necessary for deliberate practice that limited their hours of practice, end quote. This is why many executives report being more or less done by mid-afternoon, but almost as many nonetheless report staying in the office until mid-evening. So maybe four hours a day of deliberate focus is all it takes. It was enough for Charles Darwin. It might be just enough for you. You just listened to an excerpt from the book, Time Rich, Do Your Best Work, Live Your Best Life by Steve Glavesky. First, I'd recommend coming by his website, steveglavesky.com. That's spelled G-L-A-V-E-S-K-I. He has a bunch of stuff there, downloads to check out, of course, his books, and he has a podcast called Future Squared. Steve is an entrepreneur, author, and podcast host whose mission is to unlock the latent potential of people so that they can create more impact for humanity and lead more fulfilling lives. He is the CEO of Collective Campus, an innovation accelerator based in Melbourne and Singapore that works with large organizations around the globe. They've worked with over 100 startups, which have collectively raised over $25 million dollars. He also founded Lemonade Stand, a children's entrepreneurship program. Very cool. So again, come by steveglavesky.com for a lot more. I have that linked in this episode's description. I'll leave it there for today. Hope you're having a great day and I'll be back tomorrow as usual where your optimal life awaits.